0: Welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score, your on-air resource for fitness, nutrition, and injury prevention and treatments for today's weekend warrior and professional athletes. With renowned specialist of elbows, knees, and shoulders, Dr. Brian Cole, along with other health and fitness leaders, and your host, Steve Cashel. Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on 670 The Score.
1: And here we go, another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning, so happy you're with us, everybody. I'm Steve Cashel, Chicago Bulls radio host. Joined this week by Dr. Charles Bush-Joseph. He is one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox and also the Chicago Bulls sports medicine specialist orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Doctor
2: Good to see you again. Appreciate you filling in this week for Dr. Cole once again. You know, Steve, it's always a pleasure, and I love my Saturday mornings. And now that we're in early April, this is the time of the year that we want to start talking about our fun and recreation. And I think for you and I, there's nothing more we want to talk about than a little bit of golf.
1: That's right. Well, it's funny because Dr. Chuck had a shoulder surgery performed by one of your partners, Dr. Greg Nicholson. You had a, what, reconstructive, what was it, replacement? I actually
2: had to have a replacement. I uh, I was unstable when I was young, and... The shoulder dislocate a little bit, and finally it wore out. So I, I'm, I'm a metal and plastic guy now.
1: Wow. And about five weeks ago, Dr. Brian Cole, my usual co-host here, did the surgery on me. I had a uh biceps tendon. I can never pronounce it. What did I have again? Uh, Biceps tenodesis. Tenodesis. And I had a little uh, bone spur plus some arthritis that was scraped out from what I understand. So,
2: you know, in baseball parlance, we would call that a cleanup scope.
1: A cleanup scope. All right. And it's been, it's been great. It really has. And I got a million questions about it, but we are both golfers, by the way, to our listening audience, Dr. Chuck and I, and uh, we've got a um, got to talk about golf. It's one of my favorite sport. It is my favorite sport, actually. You know, next to uh, NBA basketball, doing the Bulls, but the sport that I play the most. And let's bring on our first guest here, TJ Sullivan. TJ Sullivan is uh, a manager and director of instruction at the Golf Tech in Oakbrook. I've been taking lessons at Golf Tech for a long time, and these guys have helped me so much. And they're just tremendous at what they do. And how about this? Dr. Chuck, TJ, not only a PGA member certified in teaching and coaching, he has been a golf tech instructor for greater than 11 years, has provided over 19,000 lessons. Have you done that many surgeries?
2: Uh, I've done a fair number of surgeries, but I'm sure TJ has seen Everything, yeah, absolutely. With that kind of experience. So uh, we're happy to hear. hear his, I'm happy to hear his uh, insights as to what he's going to do for tuning up early in the season for guys like you and I.
1: So TJ, welcome. Tell me, I'll start with my first question. Give us some tips to prepare for the season, the golf season that most of us may not be aware of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, guys, for having us on, and uh, good morning. Um, I think the first step that everyone needs to go to is, of course, go to your local golf deck. Um, But uh, aside from that, I think when – you're getting involved in this season. Uh, I think walking a lot more uh, just in the springtime is actually crucial. How how often do we go outside and we maybe start to cramp up if we start going up a huge hill uh, on the first time that we're actually on the golf course. So I think just walking more recreationally uh, can actually help alleviate some of that. And also there's domes. there like the bubbles, the heated range. Just make sure to start small it's not really like riding a bike, and uh, I always like to start off with the first uh, small bucket, and uh, kind of work my way up from there. You
2: know, Steve, how do you advise your, your students to go through, do you think, just going even to a, a par-3 range for a little while, before, how long before they really crank up the big bertha and start staking that full swing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, even starting small, like putting in your house, chipping, if you have a little bit of room in the backyard. Um, But in all honesty, I think after you do it maybe once, a half-hour range session, where you're kind of starting small, uh, hopefully by then you kind of work out some of the little bugs, and uh, then you can start taking some full ropes with driver
1: busy visiting with T.J. Sullivan from Golf Tech. I'm Steve Cash with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. It's Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning and talk a little golf as we get ready for the uh, first rounds of the year. And T.J., let me ask you, what do you personally do on your first round of the season?
0: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, in all honesty, I just try not to miss on the first tee like, <laughs> like Don't many we all. people out there. Um, but in, in all honesty, I think, again, it's, the first few rounds are just to establish a baseline after uh, you're maybe working your game. Hopefully, if you're working your game in the off season, you're just trying to establish some sort of context, and it's not necessarily going to establish the entire season, whether it's good or if it's bad. Just go in no expectation and uh, start to enjoy yourself after the round.
2: You know, TJ, i got to ask you a question. Golf Tech is a wonderful facility with really high-tech equipment. What percentage of your students really – Deeply engage themselves in the in the high tech and the visual nature of it, or how much of those, how much is just you rely on that for you to make your correct diagnosis and analysis of of what the what the player's problem is. I mean, uh, does do people just want to hear it from the pro that you analyze, or do they want to see what what you're telling them?
0: I'll I'll tell you my (laughs) the best lessons that I have are when the people can actually just tell me what's going on and I can kind of steer them in the right direction. I'm not, you know, with, with all the technology that we use, it's great. It's a great training aid and it's a great visual, but the sooner that we can actually start creating the, the feeling as if you are outside, the, the better. So if someone comes in, they say, Hey, this is what I feel like I'm doing. We use the video to confirm. I ask them, Hey, what do you see? What do you like? What do you don't? And then I'm just there to kind of ring in the rain to make sure they don't go way off basis. Uh, again, we do use a lot of technology, uh, a lot of ways to measure things, but uh, you know it's all about playing better golf when you're outside.
1: Great stuff, TJ. The website is golf golftech.com. I highly recommend them. They've got great instructors. How many different locations in Chicago now, TJ?
0: Uh, I believe there's six. We just opened up one in Orland Park.
1: Fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, can't wait to uh, hit the golf course myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you
1: very much. Thanks, TJ. Hit them straight. Appreciate it. TJ Sullivan, Golf Tech Center Manager out of Oak Brook and Director of Instruction. And our next guest here on Sports Medicine Weekly is Tara Hackney from Athletico talking a little bit about uh, sleep. And, Doc, uh, boy, you probably do this with the White Sox, right? The ways to um, monitor sleep and make sure these guys get enough rest because it's so vital and critical to recovery, isn't it?
2: You know, Steve, I would tell you that from a professional athletic perspective, certainly on a D1 and on a major league and even in the football, uh, that uh, our professional monitoring of sleep is taking leaps and bounds. I think we now recognize that that's the next physiologic state that we can really alter. And and I think Tara's going to be able to give us some information on this because really how our athletes sleep really is very impactful on their performance.
1: So, Tara, thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Uh, First question, what sleeping positions are best to wake up rested and refreshed?
3: So when we're talking about sleep, Uh, Most often we are worried about neck or back pain, like specifically our low back. So the best positions that they've uh, found for like spine and our alignment while we sleep um, is to avoid sleeping on your stomach. So trying to either sleep on your side or on your back is going to help keep that spine in a little bit better alignment. So you don't wake up with that crick in your neck. Like sometimes we do.
2: Okay. You know, Tara, this is a, Uh, I I get this a lot from patients because, you know, I do agree that I think sleeping on the stomach is hard, especially when I deal with a lot of patients in recovery mode after knee surgery, after shoulder surgery, sleep is what they look for. And and you really can't sleep on your stomach just because of the the positioning. But is there, do you advise different mattresses or pillows in various body positions, especially for our older patients who really don't have the same flexibility as some of our younger patients?
3: Yeah. So unfortunately, there is not one perfect pillow or one perfect mattress that's going to be good for everybody. So the things to keep in mind when you are trying to pick out a new pillow or a new mattress is you want to not have a pillow that's going to bring your head up too high and kind of really flex your neck forward and you don't want a pillow that's going to be too flat and kind of dip your head down. So if you can find something that kind of keeps you in basically a straight line with like your head and your body all kind of in a straight line, that's going to probably feel the best and help you feel more rested when you wake up in the morning.
2: Do you think there's some drills we should do at night beforehand, uh, you know, to whether it be a hot shower or some stretching or even some, Home yoga, just to make us feel more comfortable before we do get into bed, you know, I, I think there's both that mental and that physical side of preparing to sleep.
3: Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, they they've done all sorts of different you know research and whatnot on relaxation techniques, and you know be that stretching, be that meditation, turning off uh, screen time. so that means no TV or no cell phone. That cell phone can be one of the biggest detriments to us. Um, And just kind of taking a break from that and really kind of setting yourself up for uh, a good mindset to fall asleep and fall asleep easier by starting that kind of get ready for bed routine so that your body knows like, okay, now it's time to kind of power down and I need to go to sleep.
1: Our guest is Tara Hackney from Athletico, athletico.com, the website. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph filling in this week for Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, would you ever suggest, Tara, we're talking about discussing ways to sleep to ease neck and back pain using a second pillow. Can that improve the uh, quality of sleep?
3: Yeah, so a second pillow can help if you're sleeping on your side. That second pillow can sometimes be nice between the knees to kind of give you a little bit um, more support that way, decreasing some of that rotation that could be in the lower part of your back. Um, If you're laying on your back, even a pillow kind of under the knees can ease some of the pressure and that curve in the low back um, and kind of make you feel a little bit more comfortable. If you are somebody that enjoys sleeping on their stomach and we're trying to kind of maybe move away from that, Sometimes putting a pillow either in front of you like it's uh, on your stomach a little bit, it kind of helps kind of turn you more onto your side to kind of avoid some of those extreme positions that stomach sleeping can get you into.
2: Tara, I'd be interested in your opinion on what we see as really a a real proliferation of airline pillows. You know, uh, I see more and more people at O'Hare and uh, walking around. Do you have any advice or tips on that? I see people with inflatable ones and big ones and small ones. Uh, What's your experience give us on that?
3: I feel like uh, similar to picking out a pillow for sleeping in a bed, your airline pillow, not one is going to fit everybody the best. So trying to find one that's not going to let you really tip your head off to one side or too far forward, but you also want to have a little bit of of movement, I guess. Like you don't want to just be stuck straight up. You want to be able to kind of relax into it and still feel supported
1: Great stuff. Hey, Tara, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I hope you sleep well. And those are some good tips because uh, sleep is vital, isn't it, Doc?
2: It's what I look forward to every night.
1: Yeah, yeah. And your patience, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, boy, you got to, you got to, it's important to have a, have a good day the next day getting that good sleep. So, best of luck with Athletico. Tara was uh, here in Chicago for a while. Now you're back in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in the Southwest location. Wish you the best, Tara. Thanks so much. Thank you. All righty. And up next here on Sports Medicine Weekly, our staple of the show, it's our Ask the Doctor segment. Stay with us. More Sports Medicine Weekly ahead, only on 670 The Score. You're listening to
0: Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The
1: Score. And we're back on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. I'm Steve Cashel. Join this week by Dr. Charles Bush Joseph, orthopedic surgeon, former head team physician with the Chicago White Sox, still works with the White Sox, and you went to spring training uh, this year. How was spring training, by the way?
2: Colder than usual? Colder than usual, a little wetter than usual, so the people in Arizona were actually happy with that, but Steve, spring training is always a blast. I mean, how can you not like it? it? You know, you're getting out of winter in Chicago. We had a tough winter And, you know, you're seeing guys playing, the grass is green, it's all good. Absolutely. So Dr. Chuck filling in for my
1: usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. And time now for our staple of the show, our Ask the Doctor segment. Very simple, folks. If you've got a topic you want us to consider discussing, or if you've got an exact question, specific question for uh, Dr. Cole, Dr. Chuck, or any of the doctors that sit in from time to time for Dr. Cole, please go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, click on the uh, homepage there, and on the right side of the homepage underneath the picture of Dr. Cole and I, you'll see our Ask the Doctor link. And... You can ask the questions. And here we go. i got a couple of good ones here for you, Doc. What is the difference between rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis?
2: You know, see, that's a, it's a good question. And a lot of patients ask that because they really want to know when they're having joint problems and the doctor tells them that you have arthritis. Arthritis is a generic term. And arthritis just means, yes, I either have an inflammation or a wearing out of a joint. So we break it down two ways. An autoimmune type of arthritis, like a rheumatoid or psoriatic arthritis or lupus, those are, manif- those are problems of the joint where your autoimmune function is off a little bit and you're attacking your own joints. And so really that's more of a biologic problem. Whereas we think that osteoarthritis, for the most part, there's some, there's some biologic characteristics to it, but it's more of a mechanical problem. I may have... Injured my knee when I was younger, I had ligament damage, and the joint eventually wore out because my cartilage wore out. So the, the treatment approaches are different. You know, certainly with osteoarthritis, it's all about uh, weight reduction and exercise and flexibility. Whereas in patients who have the autoimmune forms of arthritis, it's really a matter of controlling that inflammation. And sometimes that means modulating the body's immune system. So when you see all those commercials, on TV nowadays for drugs like Humira and such, uh, those are actually modulating your immune system and and trying to stop your own autoimmune system from attacking your joints. So the end is the same. You know, if my joint is destroyed uh, either by autoimmune or by some mechanical process, uh, we want to minimize that, but we attack it from two different ways.
1: Interesting stuff. All right, I got another one here. Uh, this is from Jenny in Highland Park. Is there a vitamin, Doc, that increases lung capacity?
2: Uh, you know, I tell Jenny I wish there was, but unfortunately not. You know, our inherent lung capacity, like many of our physical characteristics, do have genetic basis and origin. What you do see is that we rarely maximize our genetic lung capacity. And you maximize it with, obviously, training. Uh, training, fitness, weight control, obviously somebody who's carrying an extra 25 pounds doesn't have that same expansile quality to their abdomen and their chest wall to allow them to have that, quote, vital capacity or that, that inspiration-expiration. Uh, so there's really—you can't make it better than what, what, what God gave you, but you can certainly maximize what you do have by training. Now, if you've got lung disease— where I've been a longtime smoker or have had chronic congestion problems or chronic lung inflammation, that's where you see patients on a variety of medications, either what we call bronchodilators, which is very common we use for asthmatics, or, or some types of steroids or even immune diseases you see for patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So if you don't have intrinsic lung disease like COPD or asthma, then it really comes down to training, weight control, and fitness.
1: All righty. And my final Ask the Doctor question comes from yours truly here. I want to talk a little bit about, earlier in the show, I mentioned that Dr. Chuck, sitting next to me, had shoulder surgery. um, How long ago? January?
2: Uh, It was was, was the end of January, Okay. I'm still worth thinking about it, though.
1: February 19th, I had uh, surgery performed by Dr. Brian Cole. uh, Kind of a clean out, but it was the tenodesis Right, A biceps tenodesis. Biceps tenodesis, all right. And where they basically cut the uh, biceps tendon and reattach the humerus bone. Also with a bone spur and some uh, arthritis. So um, I'm doing very well with it. Can't wait to get on the golf course. But I want to ask, between your surgery, which was a, a replacement of the right shoulder, right, compared to mine and the tenodesis, what are the differences in uh, in tr- treatment maybe on the PT and the physical therapy coming back?
2: You know, Steve, it really comes down to two elements. And, and while we think whether somebody has open surgery like I did where actually incisions are made or arthroscopic surgery, really the difference comes into play where muscles attached and detached. If a muscle is, has to be detached off the bone, like in my case the subscapularis was, or in your case the biceps, and subsequently reattached, that first six weeks is critical to get that muscle tendon unit healed back to the bone. Now, if if you just had a pure shoulder arthroscopy and a pure clean-out or removal of bone spurs, those patients, we can rehab them much more aggressively, much quicker. But both of us had in common that muscles have to heal back to bone, and so that first six, eight weeks is critical. And that's where you got to listen to your doctor's instructions, and and you have to follow the guidelines of your physical therapist. But once you get to that point of tendon-bone healing, whether it be rotator cuff or biceps or subscapularis in my case, then it's go time. Then your doctor, your therapist, you want to regain that full range of motion so that by 12 weeks, I've got good bone healing, I've got a good range of motion, I've got light strength, and now between weeks 12 and 18, I'm accelerating for power and fitness in my sporting activity.
1: Interesting. and But I still have... Uh pain at night. You know, I had it before, obviously, but the reason I got the surgery, that goes away eventually, right? But again, for the first four to six weeks, you're going to have that night pain in case I roll over on my right side. Is that typical?
2: You know, Steve, that's something we try to warn all our patients on. And that's what really separates shoulder patients from knee patients or, or wrist or hand or even back surgery. I had it too, Steve. At first four to six weeks, I didn't sleep well and and sometimes didn't sleep at all. And unfortunately, it's very common with whether it be arthroscopic or even open shoulder surgery, we always prepare our patients. You're going to sleep in a reclining chair a lazy boy, or you're going to have 10 pillows behind you in bed, and you just don't find that restless or that restful position. Uh, So it's generally... By the time your motion is back and by the time you've got that muscle tendon healing, around that six- to eight-week time frame – that's when most people start to say, you know, I'm sleeping through the night now. And after not sleeping for four or five weeks, you really know it and you appreciate it.
1: All right, sometimes I go to PT, the physical therapy, uh, like two or three times a week and they'll ice it at the end. But do I ever want to put heat on it or do I want to get heat on it to get it mobile, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm able to be mobile? I mean, you mentioned, you know, in the shower, a hot shower to really get that thing moving. I mean, so when is it? My big question is heat versus ice.
2: You know, Steve, we've had this conversation over the treatment of athletic injuries, whether it be overuse acute for a long time. And and over the years, I've said on this show, is that if you want to warm up before you work something out. So so generally, uh, the therapist is going to allow you to warm up with some hot packs, or in my case, a hot shower, or even for me, a steam bath. And I really, that kind of gets the blood flowing. It warms up the muscle, warms up the soft tissues, even the healing scar tissues. And then I can work out and stretch out. And then after my workout is, and then I'm going to ice down. So the usual rule of thumb is warm up, stretch out, workout, ice down.
1: Okay, interesting. And finally, um, for our little league pitchers out there, all right, I'm going to ask you, take me to the major league level because you're one of the uh, team physicians for the Chicago White Sox. You were head team physician for a long time. Uh, The players that are going to start the – MLB season okay you know what's the, what's the word on these pitchers and even the players I mean and then we're, our little leaguers are starting now and our high school guys any any take homes for our parents out there?
2: Well I just want to you know give our parents and, and our, our, our our youth coaches you know when you see our, our major league pitchers it's taking them four to eight weeks to ramp up and when they're starting even the first games are starting back in spring training and, and mid early March. They were only throwing two or three innings at most. They were never throwing more than 30, 40 pitches. So your youth uh, your youth pitchers, that same thing. you got to gradually, as we say in Major League Baseball, stretch them out. And that's something that takes uh, several months. And so we don't see our major professionals' uh, starters really getting to a seven or eight or even nine-inning game, rare as it is these days, until well into the season. So don't expect your athletes to be mid-season form in that first couple weeks, especially when it's cold make sure that they have a longer warm-up when it's still chilly out. These April games, sometimes we can have some very chilly evenings, uh, and it's critical to make sure they're well warmed up before they even get thinking about getting on the mound.
1: I'm going to have to take a look at this, but I'm sure there were no hitters, right, or perfect games early in April, right, when the season just started. But that has changed because, I mean, are you guys instructing your pitchers for the White Sox and Major League – doctors and trainers that we're not going nine innings no matter how well we're doing
2: uh, early in the year absolutely we, we've okay. got everybody on a virtual pitch count we may say an absolute number of 70 80 or 90 but for the most part no we're not going to let them overextend even if they start to feel really good about themselves just because it is dangerous I mean when you look at talents like what we have for the Cubs and the White Sox they are very very valuable assets that we have to protect
1: Absolutely. Great stuff. Dr. Charles Bush-Joseph filling in this week for Dr. Brian Cole, actually uh, the last couple weeks. So, Dr. Chuck, thanks so much for your time and coming in, and uh, you always do a wonderful job. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Always a pleasure. All righty. Well, our producer, Shane Reardon. Many thanks to Shane for his great work. Our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole for managing our website and our business operations. And then there's Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, filling in this week for Dr. Brian Cole, Steve Cashel. Dr. Cole back with us next week. Another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly up next here on 670 The Score, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. Have a great weekend. Take care. Talk to you again next week.
0: You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. Heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel. Only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and
2: 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station.